Well, good morning, you brave and hearty souls out here on this uh, frigid Sunday morning. We're so glad to see you. We continue in our series entitled Change from the Inside Out, the revolutionary work of God in you. The Bible text has always been in this series from Galatians chapter 5, and today our message centers on the spiritual fruit. What is it? Faithfulness, yes. The kind of faithfulness which God wants to cultivate in every one of our lives. You may know this uh, country music star. This is Leanne Womack. Anybody know Leanne? Not personally, maybe. You know a person? She wrote a song a while back, I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. And when one door closes, I hope another one opens. And promise me you'll give faith a fighting chance. And when you get the chance to sit out or dance, I hope you'll dance. Now, I'm not much of a dancer, but my prayer for you today is that you will give faith a fighting chance. Because to live with unfaithfulness in your life is not God's desire and plan for you. To live with faithfulness in your life is the only way you and I will never know how to really, really live. To live with a sense of wonder. My prayer for you today is that you will give faith a fighting chance. Be able to walk through life with character. Character that's strong, steadfast, true, humble, and honest. To be one that trusts God enough to take risks with your life that not only expands our own soul, touches the lives of other people. To be able to listen to the voice of God and say, I refuse to sit this one out. Lord, let's dance. Or in the words of the brave-hearted Scottish warrior, you may know him as uh, Mel Gibson. Uh, he said, all men die, but only a few really ever live. You see, if you and I want to really enjoy our life that we've been given on this earth and to really experience what it is to have a fullness of life. If you want to be the very best you that you can possibly ever be, then we have to allow the good Lord above to cultivate within us this spiritual fruit called faithfulness. If I were to ask you to write down some of the character traits that you dislike the most in other people, you just don't care for them, those traits that you find the very hardest to tolerate. Most would rate unfaithfulness at or near the very top. We may define or describe it in many different ways. For example, you might say, I really hate it when, when people lie to me. Or I really, it really bugs me when you tell me one thing, but you end up doing another. We've all known folks have had this kind of response to us. Or when somebody promises to be there for you, but when things really get difficult and hard, they're nowhere to be found. Words like unreliable and disloyal and dishonest and inconsistent come to our mind when we think of these folks. Sometimes all of us would agree on that. I think we'd all agree is that faithfulness or unfaithfulness in others is not only frustrating, but it seems to almost be a disease that's running rampant in our world today. Faithfulness almost sounds like a foreign concept. I mean, it's hard to find faithful people. Even thousands of years ago, 
A man named Solomon wrote in Proverbs 20, verse 6, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Apparently some things don't change much. And our culture is getting harder and harder to find a man or a woman who have worked faithfully for a company for the past 25 or 30 years. In our culture, it's getting harder and harder to find those faithful couples who've been happily married for 30, 40, 50 years. It gets increasingly more difficult to find professional athletes who are committed to stay with one team their entire career. That, that's kind of rare. And I guess if you just want to be blunt, faithfulness has fallen on hard times in our day. You know, when the word, word faithful was used in the Old Testament, it carried the meaning of being firm and steady and unmovable, uh, a word like sure or steadfast, trustworthy, honest, secure. That's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Greek word for faithfulness uh, has a kind of an English synonym is, is being real, being honest. And if you put all those things together, then this is describing God and he's describing not only himself, but the kind of person he wants us to be is somebody who's firm and steadfast and reliable, who's the real deal, who's true. And when it comes to faithfulness, the Bible says that God is a model for this in every area of life. You can trust him. You can count on him. He's dependable. You can believe in him. He is faithful. So there's, there's one truth I want to hang this, this whole entire message on, and it's this statement here. Faithfulness is rooted in the believability of God. Faithfulness is rooted in the believability of God. It's one thing to say, I believe in God, but it's quite another thing to say, I believe God. To accept that God is telling you the truth, that God is believable. As one Bible study author says, Faithfulness is resting in his certainty, persuaded by his honesty, trusting in his reality, being won over by his sincerity, and believing that he is worth believing. David the shepherd boy, who turned into a psalm writer, wrote in Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known to all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. O oh Lord, God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O oh Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Years ago, songwriter Thomas Chisholm put it this way in a hymn that we've sung many times, and David sang some from it today. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow or turning with thee. Thou changes not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. And the good news is because if God is infinitely faithful and His Spirit dwells in every believer, then you and I can be characterized by the very same spiritual gift of faithfulness. One key verse for this whole series has been Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Here it is again. 
when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce the kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Now again, keep in mind that none of these qualities happen in your life just because you and I go out and try harder to be these kind of people. It's an inside-outside thing. It starts inside us, and then it works its way out into the person that we are to everybody that we meet and know. It is rooted in the faithfulness of a loving God who is willing to move into our lives and begin to produce these kinds of qualities, especially the faithfulness. So, so what example, what exactly does the Holy Spirit want to produce in us? How's this, how's this to kind of flesh its way out? What is faithfulness anyway? I think we can define it three ways today. The first is this. Faithfulness is persistence even when you don't feel like it. It's staying the course. It's hanging in there. Even when the emotion or the pleasure or the feel of it in the past has already vanished. You're faithful even when you want to quit. There's a dependability about you. Strong willingness to be committed. And by the way, this again is just the opposite of our culture today. Our culture says you need to do everything you can on the basis of how you feel about it, on your emotions. If you like it or if it feels good to you, then just do it. If you don't, then if it's not true, then don't do it. If it takes too long or requires too much effort, then just quit. Give it up. Do whatever feels good, and you live by your emotions, and as a result, what happens? We end up being manipulated by our moods. Whatever mood we're in, that dictates our responses to everything that happens. But mature, spirit-led people, we are to live by our commitments. Emotions come, emotions go. They're not very dependable, but faithfulness is persistence in doing the right thing regardless of how we feel. Did you know sometimes you don't feel like being nice to people? Have you ever had that experience? especially today in our crazy world where everything's kind of upside down. I mean, sometimes we just kind of want to be kind of grumpy. You know, are there any hidden secret grumpy people here this morning? I mean, just out of curiosity. I mean, I, I'm secretly grumpy sometimes, sometimes not so secretly. Any other? I see another one. God bless you. Other witness there. I appreciate that. Ah, another one over here. Yeah. I, I'm not going to look around anymore. I'm going I'm to assume all the rest of you feel the same way. But, you know, it is a big deal. Sometimes we don't feel like reading our Bibles. We don't feel like being all terribly devoted. Sometimes we don't want to talk to people. Sometimes, I mean, every now and then there's times I don't even want to talk to you. Isn't that terrible? Because I maybe don't feel like it. Or maybe I've just got other things I need to be doing and I feel like they're probably not going to listen to me anyway. So they'd rather have Nick up here. You know, I think that sometimes. But you know what I've found? In those times when I don't feel like doing something, those are the times I need to be doing them the most. When it comes to Bible reading and prayer and sharing our faith, Satan will work overtime to keep you and me from not feeling like it. But 
faithfulness persistently keeps on doing the right things regardless of how you feel, regardless of your emotions. And, and frankly, this is the secret to success. Did you know that successful people are simply ordinary people who do what the average person doesn't feel like doing? But they do it. I mean, how do you become an Olympic athlete? How do you become an all-star? How do you become the best at whatever it is that you're doing? How do you become an awesome musician? I mean, do you think that those folks felt like getting up every day and practicing and committing their energies and efforts? And, and Because many times they probably didn't. But they discovered this value of disciplining ourselves to do the uncomfortable, disciplining our minds, disciplining our bodies, to do whatever it takes to get the job done in whatever field of endeavor that you're involved in. And the godly man and the godly woman did not become that way by accident, but because they chose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God to do some things and build some habits in order to develop their spiritual life. Whether they always got up in the morning feeling like it or not. Faithfulness is being persistent, refusing to give up. It's doing the right things, even when you'd rather not. I'm guessing there's someone here today who's, well, maybe near the quitting point in some area of your life. You, you, you feel you're, you're ready to give up on maybe a relationship. Maybe you're ready to give up on school because everything just seems so hard and difficult right now. Maybe you're ready to give up on a career or that dream or hope you have of ever finding the right person to grow old with. We've danced with this COVID situation for nearly a year now, and it can be discouraging. But when we are in a pressure situation, now hear me, the Holy Spirit of God does some of his very best work and produces in us from the inside out attitudes and emotions that can only come from above. Remember what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. He said, you be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Remember the apostle Paul, after a grueling lifetime of traveling in the ancient world, preaching the gospel, being chased out of towns and harmed every chance, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, here's what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's telling this to young Timothy, his uh, kind of his protege, and he says now, verse 8, there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Friends, faithfulness has a tremendous commitment, tremendous persistence element. Doing things even though you don't feel like doing. Secondly, number two, faithfulness is keeping your promises even when you feel like bailing. Keeping your promises when you just feel like giving up and bailing. I mean, aren't there times you made a promise to somebody to do something, and later on you say to yourself, why in the world did I ever agree to do this? I mean, there's an honesty component here. The trustworthy aspect of this quality called faithfulness is that we, we stay the course. We follow through. You're going to do what you said you would do. Because your word is good. Let's read again about the character of God. Old Testament book of Numbers, verse 20, chapter 23, verse 19. Listen to this. 
God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Psalm 145, 13. The Lord is faithful to all of his promises and loving towards all he has made. The Bible says that God is the ultimate promise keeper. And we're never more like God than when we keep our promises. When Jesus said in Matthew 5 to simply let your yes be yes and your no be no, he's talking about those times when we give our word about something. Other people should have no concern. They should have no question or doubt that we Christians would do what we say we're going to do. As followers of Jesus, we should be as good as our word. And this kind of trustworthy behavior is not some kind of exceptional or unusual behavior necessarily. You reserve for just spiritual giants. You know those ones... How do we keep your promises? Is, is your word good? Can people take you at your word? Can they trust what you say? Can your family count on you when you say you're going to do something? Christian counselor Gary Smalley wrote, once wrote in a book called The Hidden Value of a Man. He talked about a, a 40-year-old guy who had come into counseling situation with him, and he was describing something that had happened in his life 28 years before when he was just a boy. He said, and I'll just quote what he told him. He said, when I was 12, my Boy Scout troop planned a father-son campout. I was thrilled. I couldn't hardly wait to get home and give my dad all the information. I wanted so much to show him how much I had learned in scouting. And I was so proud that he would go with me. When the time came for the campout, and it finally arrived, I had all my gear out on the porch ready to load up the moment he arrived. We were to meet the rest of the troop at 5 o'clock and travel together to the campground. But Dad didn't get home until 7. He explained how things had gone wrong at work, and he told me, well, no, don't worry, we've still got time. First thing in the morning, uh, we'll get up and join the rest of the campers. I was disappointed, but I decided to make the best of it. So first thing in the morning, he said I was up, and I got everything together and had it in the car before the sun came up. He had said that we'd leave about 7 and we'd be ready to get there in time. I was ready 30 minutes before that. But Dad never got up until 9.30. And when he saw me standing out front by the car, he finally explained that he had a bad back and really didn't want to sleep on the ground. He hoped I'd understand, and I'd be a big boy about it, and could I please get my gear out of his car because he had several commitments that he had to keep. It was just about the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life to go to the car, unload my sleeping bag and my pup tent and all the other gear. And I turned around and watched as my dad came out of the garage with his golf bag over his shoulder, got in the car, and drove away to his tea time. And for a long time, that experience had defined this young man. I mean, how do you recalibrate a little boy's heart when it's been broken by a broken promise from his dad? How do you restore the trust when trust has been shattered? Proverbs 27 says, The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. 
Or as one paraphrase puts it, the righteous walks in integrity, they keep their promises, and happy are their children who follow after them. Faithfulness means you keep your promises. Your yes is yes, your no is no. And then one more thing, number three. Faithfulness is when you step out and trust, even if you can't see it. Even if you can't see it. You know, we only live one life on this earth, and as John Ortberg puts it, if you want to walk on water, what does he say? He said, you've got to get out of the boat. Remember when Peter and the disciples were uh, hanging out with Jesus in the fishing boat, or actually with him together, Jesus was left behind, and they were making things rough. The storm was terrible and coming up and everything, and here comes Jesus walking on the surface of the Sea of Galilee. And Peter... I just love this about it. He's so impetuous. He said, Lord, if it's you, <laughs> if it's you, Lord, uh, tell me to come to you. Now, would you have said that? I mean, if you'd been there with those guys in the boat, I mean, what would you, you know, would you, Lord, if, if it's you, then would you get in the boat? Because we're in trouble here in the boat. But no, Peter longed to be wherever Jesus was. And so he yells, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. And keeping his eyes on Jesus, all the laws of gravity and physics ceased. He stepped off the boat and discovered the Lord more powerful than he'd ever imagined. You know, I've heard sermons, maybe you have too, where the preacher was trying to really put Peter down, kind of knocked him around a little bit, saying, well, you didn't have much faith. You know, you took your eyes off Jesus. As soon as you took your eyes off Jesus, then you had this band to sink. And Jesus had to rescue poor Peter because he didn't have enough faith. But when you think about it, he at least got out of the boat. I mean, would you have done that? I mean, he stepped outside of the boat. The rest of the disciples just sat there. And when, I guess we see Peter in heaven, and he, he's going to be one of the very few human beings we're going to meet that, knows what it's like to walk on water. You see, some people falsely believe that the way to please God is to keep all the rituals and all the rules and saying certain prayers over and over again. And, but that's not what the Bible says. Some people think that the way to please God is the three R's. Religion, regulations, religion rules, but you know what it is that Jesus is most interested in? Is the relationship. Not rituals, rules, regulations, and religion. He wants a love relationship in which he is there, intimately involved in our life, and we learn to faithfully trust him every step, every day of our lives. In fact, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, frankly, it's impossible to please God without possessing one thing. Here it is on the screen, without Faith. It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently, earnestly seek him. A faithful person is exactly that, a person full of faith. See, faith is visualizing the future while we live here now in the present and in some cases you know, we have dreams and goals that we can imagine, but, but faith is being able to see things while we're in our present situation. 
It's being certain of what you do not yet see simply because God said it and you believe it. Now, what do we say? What do we humans say? Well, I'll believe it once I see it. But that's backwards. That's, God says that's not even right. In his kingdom, you have to believe it in order to see it. That's what's called faith. You have to believe it's possible ahead of time before it's even possible. You know that uh, when uh, Disney World first opened in Florida, someone turned to, they were all there for the big cutting of the ribbon and opening of this thing. And someone went up to Walt Disney's widow. He had passed away before they had gotten this milestone completed. But someone walked up to her, somebody walked up to her and said, don't you wish Walt could have seen all this? And she smiled and said, oh, but he did. He did see it. When we first came to Monroe County, a few years ago now, but one of the ladies in our church that we grew very close to was a woman named Emma Burris. I don't know the probably other than Tom and Patty that are in this room, maybe Ronnie. Some of this is a little family, at least some of them know Emma and knew her well. Uh, Emma was a feisty old lady and amazing Bobby Knight fan. I mean, I'm sure she thought Bobby Knight would welcome her when she got to heaven. Uh, of course, he's still with us now, I think, so he's not there probably when that happened. But uh, she just would get on me all the time if I would tell jokes on Bob Knight or whatever. But she was a sweetheart. But she had, had health issues. Her husband had died years before that we ever met her. She'd been a widow for a good while. And, uh, but we found in Emma Burris a woman who could see things other people couldn't see. We had landed there and only been there maybe a year or two, and I was still going to school and finishing some things, and, and Raina was busy with a, a job that she had. Kids were little, and, uh, and we, we had, had no idea at the time that decisions that we were making back then would still be uh, blessing us all these years later. But Emma could see that, and this is what Emma said down. She sat down and gave me a good talking to her, and she said, you know, you're the very first full-time pastor this church has ever had in its history, and, and you're renting a house over there on Woodyard Road as if you don't plan to be here very long. And you know what? I think that she could see the future. She could see that that was exactly what was happening. And so she had a plan to, to fix that. And uh, it was an interesting plan. She said, uh, you know, here's what, here's what I think you need to do, because there's things that are coming that God's going to do at Maple Grove Church. And you're going to have to position yourself to be able to, you and your family need to make commitments so that the future that unfolds will actually take place. But if you're just going to rent or something, that's not going to do the job. So anyway, her big idea was for me to buy her house. Now I have to confess, I was a little suspicious here at first, but, uh, but that was her plan. She said, I'm, going, I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to be around much longer. Here was a woman now who was seeing things that hadn't come to pass yet. That's what I'm telling. That's why I'm telling you this story. Faith in God is seeing things that that are not in the present. There are things that are in the future. And she made her case, and she told me this is what needed to be done, and she would give us a good price on it. She was going to have to go into nursing home. She knew she didn't feel well. She only had one niece that was the only relative she had, um, and every single thing that she talked to us about came true. 
some of the changes we didn't expect. Raina took care of her in the nursing home uh, those last days as yet. It was a year from the day that we closed on her home that she closed on her eternal home and we buried her at Clear Creek Cemetery as she went on to Jesus. And she saw all this that's happened in the last 30 years by faith. And I was pretty, pretty impressed with that. But as I was working on this thing, I couldn't help but think about it. Faithfulness is persistently staying the course when you don't feel like it. Faithfulness is keeping your promises even when you feel like quitting. Faithfulness is stepping out and trusting God even when you can't see the outcome always. And my prayer for us this morning is that you will respond to God's call. And as the song says, that you'll give faith a fighting chance. Maybe you've never done that before. You've read about it. And you thought that kind of faith was just for other people. My encouragement to you, though, is that when you get the chance, if you get the chance, I hope you do, to sit it out or dance, well, I hope you'll dance. I hope you and the Lord will dance for a very long time to his tune, to his will, to the plan he has for your life. You don't want to miss that. It's better than anything you have planned for your life without him. Oh, Father, thank you for your reminders to us that you are here. You are faithful. You are among us. You are right in the middle of every corner and, and nook and cranny of our lives. And Father, just help us see you. Give us eyes to see so that we can be able to walk faithfully in your will, that we can experience things we would never have experienced before because we let you drive. We let you lead our lives. And Lord, as we continue to seek these fruit, these wonderful spiritual blessings that are part of every believer's life if they want them, if they ask for them, I pray, Father, we'll all ask you to help us be more faithful. It's the hallmark of a disciple. And it's a badge that we need to wear because you and Jesus wore it first. You were faithful. Jesus was faithful even unto death. And now he wears a crown of life. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Help us to cultivate this fruit of faithfulness every single day. In Jesus' name.